0: guys thanks so much for tuning into another episode of our athletes today we have taylor seaton he skis he's pretty darn good at it he's been on the team for a little while now as you'll hear in the episode what he's been what he's went through and some of the things that he has work he has working in in the mix so taylor's a super cool dude very relaxed um very interesting as he said he's done a lot a lot a lot a lot in a short amount of time and is 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 hopefully significantly longer life so we'll keep rocking and rolling with taylor but Other than that, I hope you guys just enjoy the episode. Take what you hear from Taylor. Maybe use it, learn his story, understand what he's been going through, and hopefully you guys can push forward with something that you're trying to push through too. So thank you guys so much and enjoy the episode. Alright, today another wonderful guest. We have Taylor Seton of USA Skiing. Taylor was born in Boulder, Colorado and moved to Avon when he was 11 to pursue, specifically to pursue skiing. So this dude's been in it for a while now. Um, he's been skiing professionally for over 10 years at this point. He's been on due tours. He's been to Grand Prix events, World Cups, and to multiple X-Game events around the world, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Taylor was named to the United States team in May of 2017. Unfortunately, did not make the Olympics in 2018, but man he's a hopeful and we want to talk to him so Taylor thank you so much for your time today
1: uh thank you guys uh pleasure to be here Michael
0: absolutely man I'm excited to hear your story excited to talk about some of this stuff so if you don't mind actually just giving us a little bit more background I mean as I as I told you before the call that's not that's not really a a, that's a that's a small intro I want to know a little bit more about you I want to have a nice conversation about you and everything you've been through so if you don't mind uh, I mean I guess as most stories do please start at the beginning
1: Right on. Yeah, so I started uh, skiing when I was one and a half years old. My dad put me on a pair of skis, and I was, you know, plastic skis, Sorrel boots, and backyard, and just I could barely even walk at that Uh, point. Yeah, I was going to say Just hold my hand, taking me down the the backyard, and kind of started getting into it from there. My dad uh, was definitely heavily into skiing, uh, not on, like, a professional – level or anything, but it was just his lifestyle of living Mm -hmm. that he loved. So, uh, he just kind of got me intrigued into skiing that way. And I followed through and we, uh, we owned a condo up in summit County and we drive up from Boulder every single weekend. And, uh, it just got to a point where I was wanting to go up every single weekend, me and my sister. It. My parents, when I was eleven years old, decided, all right, we're moving up, we're going full time. So they did that virtually for me. My dad had an advertising agency that specialized mm-hmm. in, in snow sports, and they quit the they quit the business and moved up to bail just for me and my sister.
0: Really? I mean, that's incredible. So thank you so much to, uh, to Mr. Seaton. That's pretty, that's pretty fantastic. And I guess this was a little bit before, um, you know, the internet really, I mean, obviously it was around before it sounds like this was before it really took hold and, and a lot of digital marketing, um, avenues came to be. So, I mean, that's an incredible amount of dedication that your parents gave to you and your sister. I mean, maybe at 11, you really didn't understand it, but looking back on it now, I mean, like what, what kind of feelings and emotions do you have when it comes to understanding that your parents pretty much uprooted their life so that you could just ski every day?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I got to thank them so much for doing that. And looking back, I actually kind of feel a little guilty for what mm-hmm. I did. We moved up to the mountains in that year. I told my parents I was going to quit skiing if I oh. couldn't join freestyle. Ooh. So basically they were not about to let me quit skiing mm-hmm. and they, they had to go with it, so they let me do freestyle, and under one condition was that I had to do moguls one one day every weekend, so it was either Saturday or Sunday. I had to ski moguls all day, but then the other day, they would let me go into the park, and at that point, the park wasn't really taking off, but uh, my dad had taken me to all the U.S. free skiing opens that were taking place in Bale. so... After going to the first one, I was like probably 8 years old, 1998 I think it was. That I knew that that's what I wanted to do. It just looked so cool to me and you know at 2001 I the park scene wasn't really big and my dad didn't really see much for it to come, but uh you know eventually after they had supported me on my decision and eventually after it started really taking place, you know, X Games started getting a lot bigger. They had gravity games and I just kept following through doing the lower events. And then, uh, when I was 16, I entered the big bear open and that was what really, uh, I ended up winning it. And the prize for the big bear open was you get to join the Honda ski tour. And so it had hap- it took place, I think, like February, and then there was one more stop in squaw at the Honda Ski Tour. So I did the last stop of Honda Ski Tour and then the next year is when it got bought out by uh Mountain Dew and became the mm-hmm. D tour. Very cool. So that was that was my entryway to uh to getting on the pro circuit and then shortly after that I uh had my first X Games invite.
0: That's incredible, man. That is super cool. And I absolutely do want to get to the X Games. I want to get to the Dew Tour and obviously the Honda Tour a little bit. But I mean, just going back, so you told your parents that you were going to quit skiing after they uprooted their entire life for you. That's pretty, um, I mean, I guess at 11 or 12, I can understand. I mean, like, did you realize kind of what they did at that point in time? I mean, at 11 or 12, I don't even, like, I barely have any recollection really of what was going on. I was what, third, fourth grade? I don't know what I was doing. I was playing video games and doing stupid 11 year old stuff. Like, how did how did you kind of understand that whole situation and really, really see and feel what was going on?
1: Uh, Dude, yeah, at 11, you're so young that you don't really understand what you're doing. Exactly. Kind of what your parents did just did for you. But In reality, I did not want to quit skiing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to join freestyle. And I knew that what they did, I had that leverage. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of one of those, you know, typical 11-year-old just doing something that taking advantage of Mm -hmm. the parent's way and getting your way. So that's what I did.
0: Smarter than the average 11-year-old. I like that, man. I like that. I mean, looking back, I mean probably a couple choice words we could use, but we'll, uh, we'll stick away from those and just realize that you're a pretty smart dude at a young age, even, uh, and you were capable of kind of figuring your way out around a couple of stuff. So that's incredible, man. And so then you're, you're skiing, what sounds like constantly, was there a reason why your parents wanted you to ski moguls? Was it because that was more of a way to receive money and actually become professional at the time, at least?
1: Uh, I don't think my parents were ever concerned in me becoming a professional skier. Like they just knew that that was the lifestyle. They lived that lifestyle and Uh it was just a great, you know, lifestyle and a great group of people to be around. Uh Uh You get a lot of experiences from traveling and the people that you meet in skiing are more than likely going to follow you throughout your whole life, which is kind of cool. And they just kind of, went off of that aspect of it but i think they wanted me to do moguls because they were concerned about me having the actual fundamentals to ski
0: okay very cool
1: when you're that young you know that that's the main thing is they considered like yeah you're gonna go into the park and never learn how to actually ski you're just gonna Mm -hmm. whatever they thought maybe yeah. yeah they thought that maybe i was the park thing was gonna die off and then that was kind of gonna be the end of me. Mm-hmm. uh Wanting to, you know, be a skier for life.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you can you tell how much being it, your parents forcing you to ski moguls how that's helped you over over the time?
1: Um, I mean, I guess a little bit. I only really skied moguls for two years, and after that, like the freestyle scene really actually started mm-hmm. kicking off. I, cool. I guess that was another thing is they didn't have events that I was capable of being able to enter Mm -hmm. at that age. And they didn't even have skis that – they didn't even have twin tips in my size. So, you know, at that point, like, I was going off of jump switch and stuff, and we had moguls and aerials. They would call it big air, but it was – we were going off of a mogul's jump Mm -hmm. or off of an aerial jump, but instead of, like, they wouldn't let us go off of, like, the double or triples really we had a single or we had like they called it the big air lip which is more of just the launch ramp style and i was always going off of like the singles jump and like i was going switch off the jump didn't even have twin tips and i think that's when my dad really noticed like whoa this guy is doing something totally different i i went to like my first aerial event and i did a switch 540 off of the jump and I landed it and I actually got like seventh place or something. And all the kids that beat me did like spread Eagles and Daffies and Twister spreads and stuff. And my dad was like, what mm-hmm. Th- these judges are just mom and pop judges. What is going on here? Like they have no idea, but I was also brand new into the scene, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and I was doing something that they had never seen before. And what they considered like, yeah, wasn't, wasn't cool, or wasn't there? Was no like trick list of that, you know? They had the 360 as being the best trick, but going off of a jump backwards, they had no idea
0: mm-hmm. yeah, how to judge is, that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like to me, being, um, not the most knowledgeable going off backwards is a little bit more difficult. Um, so it would sound like it should be rated a little bit higher. But that is pretty interesting. Um, that's cool. i'm glad I'm glad I got to ask that and really just get to understand a little bit more about what it was like. And I guess now getting to the events, um, that you have done, the bigger ones at least, the, the Tours, the Grand Prix, the World Cups, even the X Games. I mean, what was that like at such a young age, kind of being thrust into this situation, especially, you know, specifically the Honda slash Tour. now? Um, what was that like in really, I guess, your first entry into the professional market, let's call it, and really getting to see and understand what a um, professional skier go through?
1: Yeah, uh, that that actually had a big Kind of a big impact on how I've created my style of skiing. Because mm-hmm. I had, uh, at that point, I went uh, from being coached, I was on like a ski club. Mm-hmm. And I went from being on a ski club to basically quitting that ski club and skiing on my own for that season. And that was why I had gone out to the big bear open it was like the first event that I had ever done out of state and had Mm -hmm. uh had my dad with me because my dad wasn't like really supporting me and going to all my events and everything like that he was just kind of letting me do my own thing with always having a coach as you know the chaperone or like Mm -hmm. the guardian and so he went out there and I I feel like that's like we just like really bonded and like, I felt really comfortable. So I skied really well and then I get thrown into the Honda ski tour. And at that point I needed, you know, to find a new chaperone. So I had, or like a realistically a coach, you know, my dad didn't know what was going on Mm -hmm. and he he wanted me to just keep getting better. So that's where I uh, started working um, with a coach, Alana Chase. and. Uh, I show up to this pro event and I'm like the only dude really with a coach. So that was kind of like a little bit, you know, I've seen like all these guys that I've been looking up to Simon Dumont, Tanner Hall, all the best pipe skiers that I had been watching in X games and us free skiing open and everything my whole life. And now all of a sudden I'm in the same contest as them that's like an invite only, you know, so there's just a few guys. It's not like I hadn't done the U S free skiing open or Mm -hmm. whatever, but there's, there's 200 competitors in the U S free skiing open. It's just madness. Like, obviously I competed against these guys, but not on like a level of, Oh, there's 14 guys in this event and all of them are the best in the world. And I'm like, Whoa, this Mm -hmm. is crazy. So, uh, you know just seeing the way that skiing was at that point the the lifestyle of uh, how they were going about not having a coach really just feeling off of each other's energy at the top and like uh, there wasn't much of like a i don't know kind of like a a battle between the athletes they were kind of just a little more chill at the starting gate so that that really put like a solid image in my brain that has followed me throughout my whole ski career and always at the top of the contest I'm always just trying to I don't know like keep it fun and stay mm-hmm. stoked and hype all the dudes up
0: very cool very cool man that's pretty interesting I mean so like what what specifically and then that sounds like it's something that something that you were able to take from, from that event. But I guess, you know, what was it like the first time you, you went out for the X games and, you know, the thousands of people that are there, I mean, now it's even bigger than it used to be, especially with like the concerts they have and all that crazy shit. But like, what, um, what, like that, give me, give me your first, I guess, X game experience, what that was like and really being able to soak everything in um, from that situation.
1: Yeah. Watching it on TV and then going Mm -hmm. to the event and being in it i it was actually like very overwhelming for me i kind of like got caught up and like was like whoa this isn't an event this is a tv show yeah
0: right what how old were <laughs> you if you don't uh if you don't mind us asking
1: i think i was 18
0: mm-hmm. okay so 18 year old taylor is you know, last year, 17-year-old Taylor watched it on TV and now this year, 18-year-old Taylor is actually in it and experiencing it. I mean, I could only imagine what that's like. That's a, that's a huge change in a year going from something that you look up to and, and, and look excited for every year to now you're at the top of the mountain and you're at the top of the pipe and you're the one that has to, you know, go down it and impress all the TV viewers. I mean, yeah, there's millions of people watching you on TV. I mean, like, how did you how did you deal with that situation and really make sure that you were capable of you know landing your run like you were supposed to
1: i was so intimidated i actually fell on all three of my runs oh man no I've, way. I've actually had pretty like bad luck at x games is having it be my uh you know the biggest event i always put too much pressure on myself always mm-hmm. and i want to do so well mm-hmm. and it always seems like it kind of backfires mm-hmm. it's more the events that like I don't focus on doing well that I just actually ski my best Mm -hmm. or something where I want to ski just for myself. And I kind of, I felt like about midway through my career is where I started skiing uh, more for the judges than skiing for myself. And that's when that's actually what started getting me into becoming a qualified judge Mm -hmm. is to figure out how I could ski more for me than ski for the judges.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely, I mean, obviously you have to do what you have to do. Um, it's your profession, it's your, it's your livelihood, but it definitely sounds like you, I mean, even from what you were telling me before and what you learned from all the other riders, it's like, you know, you, you try and just keep everyone else, enjoyed you try and have a good time everyone's stoked to use your word to keep everyone light to keep a chill event and then it sounds like when you go to the x games it's you kind of do the opposite of what you usually do um and that's probably why um Again, in your words, that you don't you really um, perform as well as you'd like at these events, which is unfortunate. But you know, hopefully, it's a it's a it's a realization that you're you're quickly figuring out, and we'll be able to hopefully correct if you haven't already um, correct moving forward, and be able to just crush it and, and ski for yourself and do what you need to do rather than really care about what um you know what the scores are going to be.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, X Games. It's tough. It's tough getting into X Games. It's mm-hmm. a committee. It's a committee uh, based voting system to even get into it so Mm -hmm. it's not it's not based realistically on where your world ranking is at the time Mm -hmm. and it's uh it's also kind of an event that um yeah i I guess i just put Mm -hmm. too much pressure on myself it's it's a lot of pressure everyone is skiing the best Mm -hmm. of the whole season that's normally the highest uh skiing performance out of every single athlete that's there they're gonna try their best tricks so regardless even if i have skied my best uh you know past few years that i have been in x games i think i've done uh every year my i do better and better Mm -hmm. performance wise and i guess it's slightly getting better in results but it's just a tough event
0: Oh my God. Yeah. As you said, I mean, it's, 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 you know, another, uh, a, a snowboarder actually explained to me, it's the super bowl essentially, um, for skiing and snowboarding. I mean, it's like one of the biggest events of the year, if not the biggest event of the year. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty wicked being able to be there. And, and again, as we said, I mean, I think ratings for like 2016 or 17. It was like 33 million people, 35 million people watch it. So yeah, I can understand the intimidation factor. I can understand the pressure that you're putting on yourself, especially after being there uh, for a few years now, which is incredible in itself. And you should be extremely proud of that. Um, But I can understand how that kind of gets to you. And again, if 33 million people were watching me do something, I probably would not be performing my best. So I, uh, I can completely understand where you're coming from. And definitely you're receiving some sympathy from my end. I promise you that. (laughs)
1: right on thank you i mean (laughs) hopefully it comes together yeah man every year i you know the performance gets better so only time will tell
0: only time will tell you go then uh go again next year and uh, we'll be rooting you on so um good stuff man awesome so um thank you for that i really do appreciate it and i guess now the next topic we want to get into obviously you are part of the united states um ski team um Ski and snowboard team, however we want to say it. So I guess really just kind of give us you know a rundown of what you've seen since you've been on the team. It's been over a year now at this point. Kind of what you've felt, some of the things that you've seen, and kind of how everything is is progressing on that front.
1: Yeah, I was super excited to actually meet their qualifications and get Mm -hmm. named to the team last year. Mm -hmm. Congratulations! Thanks. Yeah, I happened to do so by placing two podiums at uh, the AFP Platinum Event, which uh, the Association of Free Skying Professionals. They uh, it's kind of like a world ranking mm-hmm, system mm-hmm. for us. And so yeah, they have the Platinum events, which are World Cups, X Games, due tour, all the top events. And I happen to get two podiums, so that qualified me into it. And uh, you know, I've been working really, really hard to get on the team ever since it started. I I've been trying to get on the team just to have that extra support. So Mm -hmm, absolutely getting, getting on it has been super amazing and I'm super thankful for everything that they've uh, brought to the table. But regardless, it's been pretty tough for me to kind of figure out what I want, what I can use from them and Mm -hmm. take that to improve my skiing. Because I had gotten so used to doing everything individually, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not having a ski technician, not having a physical therapist, uh, not getting accommodation at these events, uh, all these things, not having a coach. So, you know, I had been going since like 19 years old, not having a coach, 18, Mm -hmm. 19 years old, not having a coach to all of a sudden I have two coaches, I have a physical therapist, I have a ski technician, Mm -hmm. I'm not sleeping on, like, other teams' couches (laughs) or their floor. And so it was kind of, like, eye-opening, like, whoa, like it was almost a little too much at first Mm -hmm. because I was like, whoa, I'm not used to getting handed all this. Like, it, I kind of put more pressure on myself this season being on the team not having that underdog kind Mm -hmm, of mentality mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now it's just i'm starting to get a little more used to it and figuring it out and uh yeah it's been great
0: heck yeah man i mean it's definitely incredible um you know just making the team i think is just out of this world and yeah i mean you've been doing something one way for the last nine, 10 years, and all of a sudden, now you're, you know, you're being pulled in multiple directions, you're receiving information from multiple different places, you're doing a lot of extra things that as you said, you're not used to. So um, I can understand how maybe the chip on your shoulder is not quite there, like it used to be. Um, But at the same time, I mean, if you can take advantage of some of this stuff, and really be able to utilize it and improve yourself, um, as well as your skill set, naturally, I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, as you've already said, you know, you're extremely grateful for it. And you know, hopefully, you'll be able to kind of find that happy medium of being able to do what you know you're used to doing while also being able to take in a lot more information from multiple places and really being able to then utilize it on the individual side. Yeah, definitely. Incredible, man. Good stuff. And so what, I guess, you know, what, What specifically have you been able to take from it so far? I know you said, obviously the last year you put a little extra pressure on yourself, but what are some of the very specific things that you might be able to get into with us that maybe, you know, you've been able to really utilize and take from being on the team. Cause I know obviously you didn't have any of this stuff prior. So what is some of the stuff that you actually really do like, and you've been able to take advantage of?
1: Um, I guess like it's been great having the commendation and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm
0: uh, Spec- uh yeah. just define com- accommodation for it just so we really understand exactly what you mean
1: oh just like when we show up to an event we have a hotel room there because mm-hmm. <laughs> i had uh-huh. i had i had literally been yeah. grinding away and you know i was telling you earlier i was sleeping on other teams like i became friends with other teams and mm. was like sleeping on their couches or their floor if they had an extra bed for sure sometimes even the judges, I'd be staying in the, really? in the judges you know, rooms mm-hmm. crashing on the floor or whatever, they help me out because, like I said before as well, I've, I've taken the judges' clinics, and I've worked with a lot of these judges. so on a personal level, like we're homies, mm-hmm. but they're also really good at respecting um, skiing and, and taking it as a very professional manner when they're mm-hmm. at work. Oh, absolutely. They're they're very non biased. Sometimes I actually think that it it kind of hurt. It Mm -hmm. works against me Mm -hmm. exactly. But yeah, so being able to you know have a place to stay that's guaranteed. Sometimes I'd be rolling you know to France and I literally would roll into France and not have a place to stay, and I would figure it out while I was there. I've done that Mm -hmm. at European X Games a few times. I've done it at World Cups. Just rolled up and you know, figured it out while I was there.
0: That's incredible, man. More power to you, dude. I don't think I could go to a foreign country and just throw caution to the wind, I guess, for a better, a lack for a better term and just kind of just figure it out while you're there. I mean, that's that's impressive. And I mean, I don't know what times the bars, bars close in France, but I'm, I'm sure you'd have a place to stay until at least two, three in the morning and just need to figure it out from there. So I guess worse things could happen. But no, man, that is, uh, that is, impressive to say the least. And and I, I kind of agree with your point about the judges. Like I'm I'm sure being friends with them is, is cool and they're, and they're good people and you know that whole thing. But they really need to save themselves, especially in that kind of situation. So if people know that you're friends with them, they're immediately going to think, oh well then he's biased. So I can understand. I'm I'm sure it's it might be a subconscious thing for you or I or even them, but um just them needing to make sure they can't be biased is actually affecting you on the wrong end which is kind of unfortunate but at the same time it's nice to have a place to sleep every once in a while right
1: exactly dude when you're (laughs) when you're grinding like i was then you have to make ends meet one way or another so Mm
0: -hmm. if they're gonna
1: help you out then that's what you gotta take
0: absolutely man and you're still grinding i know that and and that's that's definitely a thing so i mean i guess just tell us a little bit more about what's going on now in your life kind of some of the things that you're working with and uh uh, making sure that you have going and going into you know this upcoming season
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, being on the U.S. team, we get the uh, Center of Excellence in Park City to, you know, do physical therapy, Mm -hmm. to work out, use the gym, all their facilities they have. Then they have, like, the UOP with the water ramps, and they have, like, that uh, snow flex jump to, like, an Mm airbag. So they've got all these great things, but now, like, I'm to the point of skiing where – I'm like trying to actually make a living. I I'm not making a living skiing, so I'm mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. kind of going outside of skiing to try to figure it out. And past few years I've gotten summer jobs and sometimes I've even had winter jobs. I've mm-hmm. uh I worked uh uh for a log rest home restoration company. I worked at uh, Chronic Tacos, which is like a fast food Mexican restaurant. Sounds delicious. <laughs> it's really good. Um and uh and then i've in the winter time I've also done uh limo service driver mm-hmm. so I was you know driving trips down to denver to d i a and back up to the mountains mm-hmm. and uh doing those kind of jobs and everything and and this summer, i really wanted to try to get out to Park City and use the u s team facilities a little more, and uh my knee was just taken so much abuse the last few years that I ended up getting it checked out at the end of the season and it was time to get it cleaned out and I Mm -hmm. had some loose cartilage and a little bit of meniscus that needed to be cleaned up. So I ended up getting surgery in July and that was just gonna basically cut me from uh being able to do any more training. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have the funds to make it out to Utah to to spend the summer out there to rehab. So I ended up uh, staying here in Colorado and I started doing uh, real estate classes and I'm down here in Denver uh, living with my girlfriend.
0: Very nice, man. Getting a real estate degree. And, and so I guess this is a really nice transition um, into one thing that I do try and bring up a lot on this podcast specifically and just talk about the monetary aspects of olympic athletes uh, athletes that dedicate their life to a sport like yourself you're on the united states team i mean when you join the united states team i'm sure you've heard stories and you've talked to enough of these guys and girls at this point but you know have you did you expect maybe more help monetarily from them did you expect maybe potential sponsorships coming to you now now that you you represent you know your country anything like that and and kind of how i mean obviously with summer jobs and and getting your real estate degrees it obviously hasn't panned out if you did think that, but, um, you know, I guess from that side of it and that perspective, can you tell us a little bit more about, I guess, the monetary aspects of being, you know, a, a team, a United States team member. Um, yeah, just roll from there, I guess. Sorry. Those long winded yeah. questions. Sorry about that. No,
1: uh, you know, I guess for anyone listening, especially for the younger kids, if, if you think you're going to get, Rich off of skiing, you're definitely in the wrong sport. Skiing Mm -hmm. is a lifestyle, and you're only doing it because you love it. Absolutely. And because it's your life. So to start things off, yeah, it is is very tough to make a living. Very few athletes, only the top couple athletes in the world Mm -hmm. are making, you know, okay money. Mm -hmm. Compared Mm -hmm. to any other professional athlete, it's, like, at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. For sure uh but yeah it it has been tough i did think you know getting on the us team was going to uh help me find more sponsors but the ski industry is really just hurting so bad that i've actually been lucky enough to look outside of the ski industry um a lot of athletes go to to the energy drink side of the sport and i've never really been like a fan of energy drinks i think they're poison and uh, I actually ended up getting a sponsorship with a beer company, not saying that, you know, drinking beer every single day is going to be healthier mm-hmm. than drinking, uh, you know, a can yep. of Red Bull or Rockstar or monster every day. But, uh, I feel like it's just something that I'm, at least I'm not representing a mm-hmm. poison, although it is, you know, any kind of substance can be abused in any way. Absolutely. But I'm lucky enough to have Monteky cold snacks as my beverage sponsor. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the most uh, sponsors that I'm most excited about is actually Bale, Aspen, Breckenridge Dermatology. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and that came about uh, at X Games and, um, you know, we're out being an athlete. You are out in the sun all the time, especially mm-hmm. extreme sports athlete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something that gets looked over big time. A lot of sp, spon- a lot of athletes don't have, you know, a, a sunscreen sponsor or anything. So when I got introduced to veil vale Aspen dermatology, it was just a perfect combination because they are going to provide me with dermatology approved sunscreens, uh, free skin checkups. Nice. And, you know everything on that behalf and then I also get to educate other people that are into skiing and being outdoors to how dangerous the sun actually is and what it can cause you know i've i've had uh grandparents uh die from skin cancer unfortunately I've had, I've had friends parents already die from skin cancer so mm-hmm. it it's something that's around and it's real and most of the time it's from being overexposed to sun for too long mm-hmm. so uh, me getting educated by them and then me being able to educate other athletes, mm-hmm. it's just a perfect combination. So I'm super excited to be working with them.
0: Yeah, man, that's incredible. I mean, I, um, my mom had skin cancer. She's, she's fine now. My grandmother had it and she's also fine now. So no, it's, it's definitely something that I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize how common it is. Um, especially because yeah, mo- most of it is led by the, you know, being outside too much. Um, you know, I love being outside. I could, I would do it more and I could do it more, but at the same time, you know, day jobs and everything, but, um, no, it's definitely something, you know, that that's a pretty interesting, you know, sponsor you have. And that's pretty cool that they were, they were open and willing and and you, you know, are also, you know, aligned with what they're doing. I think that's pretty cool and really does help both of you out. You know, if they're getting exposure and you you're, you know, getting a, the ability to educate people and get, get more people healthy, but, um, B also, you know, get something out of, doing it um you know i think that's you know monetarily i think that's pretty important
1: yeah definitely they're big time support and they're helping me be able to travel more and Mm -hmm. uh you know get to more events and do more things uh i was lucky enough to get to film with tanner hall for his movie coming out in the fall very cool i'm pretty excited to showcase uh my first skiing in like an actual ski movie Mm -hmm. and it was only a 10-day trip up to montana but uh pretty excited that it's finally started and that's also going to be my next focus uh for next season on top of competing with halfpipe i'm also going to be working hard to try to put you know better skiing to film Mm -hmm. for a new movie
0: Very cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, content is almost the name of the game now um, with really anything um, at this point in time. And I'm I'm sure it will be moving forward, especially with the ease of creating it. Um, And I say ease with quotation marks, considering, you know, if you have an iPhone, you can do something. You have a smartphone with a nice camera, you can do something. Obviously, if you're trying to make major productions or real and nice, solid productions, you're going to need something a little bit better and you're going to need people to help you out. But it's still, Again, the cost of entry is significantly lower than it used to be, and the ability to get in front of millions and millions of people considering social media websites, everything of that nature um, I also think is uh, is pretty important too man so that's that's super cool, definitely excited to hear more about that and kind of what you got rolling um, when all that stuff really does start to uh, start to accumulate a little bit more i guess
1: yeah it's definitely interesting getting into the scene and realizing how tough it actually is for the film skiers because these production companies aren't making the money that they used to. Mm -hmm. So the budgets are much lower and they are relying a lot more on athletes budgets Mm -hmm. to be able to produce the content for them. So definitely the name of the game has changed up a lot. You know, it's a lot cheaper to produce the films, but they aren't making any money because Mm -hmm. all the ski films basically these days come out online for free. And then there's the select few major companies that, you know, sell them on iTunes. It's just digital. So Mm. you're not selling DVDs really. And there's no hard Uh uh, money involved.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Um, That's definitely definitely a very good point. And also the amount of them, I'm sure is significantly higher because of the barrier to entry. So yes, you have the ability to make them. Um, And that's where I do believe that the content will shine. If you're making good content, people will watch it, especially on YouTube, you have pre ad, mid ad, you know, end ad roles. So, um, you know, the, the ability to make money is there. But as you said, it's not it's not quite the same as it used to be. So that's, that's very interesting. So I mean, Taylor, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to, um, you know, just tack on to the end of this? I mean, we've been able to talk about pretty much everything that I'm, I was looking for. If there's anything else that you want to talk about, man, I'm I'm all ears. I got you for a couple more minutes. I don't mind.
1: Uh, no, I think that's pretty good. It sums everything up pretty well. Everyone knows what's going on. Getting the Mm -hmm. real estate license. I'm heading down to New Zealand to ski for five weeks next, or I guess just under two weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. Real excited to do that and real excited to finish up class here tomorrow and take the exam and hopefully pass and actually get this real estate license and just kind of looking outside of the industry to keep my ski career going, but Mm -hmm. definitely uh, not thinking any differently on the terms of it's over under any means. Just have to look outside the industry and that's Mm -hmm. just how it's going for everyone.
0: Love it, man. That's incredible. Keep your head up. Keep doing your thing. Uh, you know, good luck on your test by the end, by the, by the time this airs, you will have already passed, of course. Um, and hopefully sold your first house by then. So that's, that's what we're doing. And it's not too long from, uh, from recording to airing. So I just have very big dreams for you. I got big expiration. So thank you so much. One more time. Sailor T, uh, Sailor T, and there we go. Taylor Seaton of USA skiing, um, out of the Colorado, I guess you're in the Denver Boulder area now enjoying himself. Um, Taylor, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We sincerely appreciate it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'd like to give a shout out to my sponsors: Atomic Tyrolia, Uvex, Montucky Cold Snacks, Vail Aspen Breckenridge Dermatology, and Danno Bruno for helping me out for so many years with gear and getting uh, footbeds and all my product on point.
0: Love it, Thanks man! Thanks again, everyone. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Please um, let us know if you don't mind giving us links to everything for yourself as well, um, for your sponsors, for yourself. That way we can get them out there a little bit more. But other than that, man, sincerely appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Michael. Have a great day.
0: Okay, guys, thanks for listening to this episode with Taylor. One more time, sincerely appreciate um, everything that you're able to do by listening. If you could follow us at ourathletes.us on Instagram, Michael at ourathletes.us. If you want to shoot me an email, please follow Follow Taylor on all his socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Um, hope you guys got something out of it. As I said, Taylor is a super cool dude, very chill, very relaxed, and I think he does have some very good points to make. Um, if you guys could review, share, subscribe, comment, tell me things that I could do better so that this can get a little bit more publicity because I do believe our athletes 100% deserve more recognition for everything that they're doing, as you've heard from this episode and hopefully many of the others. But um, you know, thank you guys so much for doing what you're doing currently. If I could just ask you to do one extra thing, I would sincerely appreciate it. So thank you guys so much. I hope you have a wonderful day.